This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, September 16, 2009. I'm Caleb Brown. President Obama may have failed his first major test on trade, opting to slap a 35% tariff on Chinese tires. He may also have opened the floodgates for other industries to request protection from the White House. According to Dan Eikenson, Associate Director of the Cato Institute's Center for Trade Policy Studies, the only winner here is the short-run political fortunes of the president. Is it possible that the Obama administration is actually correct that this is uh, a small thing? The U.S. relationship with China economically is huge, and this really isn't that big a deal. No, that's incorrect. Uh, we've got a situation where domestic industry and unions have been waiting for to test President Obama to see whether or not he would actually impose duties under this law. This law be, uh, was passed in 2001 as part of China's accession to the WTO. Under the Bush administration, there were six cases brought, and the U.S. International Trade Commission, in four of those cases, recommended to President Bush to impose trade restrictions. And in all four of those cases, he declined, he declined to do so because it was found to not be in the, uh, he found it to not be in the economic interest of the United States. So the president has discretion in these cases. Uh, president Obama, in his first opportunity to exercise discretion, decided to, uh, to grant duties, prohibitive duties at that, 35%. And that is going to have a ripple effect. It's going to encourage other industries to bring cases now. They're going to say, well, hey, we've got a president here who, who's on board with protection. So it's not just the tire industry that's going to be adversely affected here. It is other industries that will uh, come to the fore and, and try to present cases for protection. And it's quite likely that we will see some, some form of retaliation. Uh, legally speaking, the Chinese are not entitled to retaliate because they agreed to allow the United States to have this law through 2013. But this is the first time that uh, duties have been imposed under this law. So the Chinese see it as really the, the edict of the U.S. president. Uh, under the anti-dumping law or the countervailing duty law, the president doesn't get his hands dirty. He's not involved. Here, the president makes that decision. And so the Chinese are taking offense. They've already launched new investigations into U.S. auto exports and, and chicken exports. And, and beyond that, there's this demonstration effect. Just a few months ago in London at the G20 meeting, President Obama and other world leaders pledged to one another to avoid new protectionism. However, uh, the, the President Obama in this tire decision uh, has, just, uh, uh, has just gone back on his word. So it's going to be easier for other countries who also face the same political pressures to say, you know what, you know, the United States did it, everybody's doing it, we're, we're going to uh, indulge in protectionism as well. And that's where we're going to have a, a real challenge to the economic recovery. Let's go directly into the economics of it. What groups here stand to lose and gain? There, there are really no winners, uh, except perhaps President Obama in the short term. He gets some political mileage uh, doing something that the unions have asked him to do. Uh, but the fact is, in this case, this case is very unique. There were no U.S. producers seeking protection. The tire producers in the United States were opposed to this petition for protection. The petition was brought by the United Steelworkers. The United Steelworkers Union represents fewer than half of the workers in this industry. But the producers are globalized. Seven of the ten U.S. tire producers also produce in China. They also produce in other countries. Four of those seven account for 90% of U.S. production. So 
really what this is is an indictment on their their business model. They they have decided to to produce some of their tires, particularly their their, their low end tires, what are called their tier three tires, in China. These are tires that are not sold uh, on on OEM equipment on automobiles when they come off the showroom floor. These are replacement tires that don't have big fancy brand names. They're sold under retailer names, wholesaler names. Uh, but these are tires that are purchased by lower income consumers, and by keeping them out of the market, we're going to see a short term increase in in the price of tires, and it's going it's a regressive tax. Ultimately, though, production will shift. It's not going to shift back to the United States. We're not going to see new jobs added here. It's going to shift to places like Mexico and Brazil and Indonesia, where the cost of producing these low-end tires is much lower, and it affords the tire producers the possibility to make a, a slight profit. And with that profit, they're able to sort of subsidize their U.S. production of Tier 1 and Tier 2 tires. So really, the, the petition uh, it goes after the business model, and it really is going to make it more difficult for companies like Cooper and Michelin and Bridgestone and Goodyear to keep other jobs in the United States. It's, it's raising the costs of uh, producing the, the, the lower tier tires, and, and therefore it makes it harder to, to uh, have a, a viable business uh, across their, their product offerings. Trade is an issue where Democrats historically, Democratic presidents, have been better than one would expect. Over the, the, the earlier part of the 20th century into the mid-20th century, Trade liberalization was, uh, was, was pushed forward by Democratic administrations, by Democratic uh, members of Congress and, and the Senate. I would say sometime during the uh, early 90s, there started to, be, there started to materialize an, an opposition, particularly a union opposition to trade, that manifests itself slowly in, in, in the Democratic Party's platform. Uh, so I would say over the last 10 years, there's been acute partisanship over trade. Republicans tended to favor it. Democrats tended to oppose it. Uh, but that doesn't make a whole lot of sense uh, when you think of the economics because our trade barriers, uh, our, our biggest trade barriers are on uh, necessities like clothing, food, materials to build shelter like steel and lumber and cement. Uh, so, it, so by having trade barriers on these products, we have a regressive tax. It really hurts lower-income Americans more than, more than anybody else because they spend more of their budgets on these necessities. So uh, uh, Scott Lincecum and I wrote a paper earlier this year for, at, for Cato uh, called Audaciously Hopeful, uh, How President Obama Can Help Restore the Pro-Trade Consensus. And that was one of the points we made, that this is a, trade is an issue that, that the Democratic uh, Party members really should embrace. He's failed the first test. Dan Eikenson is author of a new free trade bulletin, Burning Rubber. You can download it at our trade website, freetrade.org.